0: Welcome to Between Data and Risk podcast. Today we'll talk about the responsibility related to using patients' data with our guest, J.D. Whitlock, CIO of Dayton Children's Hospital. Stay tuned. If you're a business owner or senior manager, you probably had more than enough about all the wonderful opportunities awaiting you in the era of digitalization.
1: Whether it is big data, cloud, data science, or whatever buzzword is currently trendy.
0: If you would like to hear someone dissecting these claims and showing you what it actually takes to improve business processes, you're in the right place.
1: This is Between Data and Risk, where we discuss real life examples of what works and what doesn't in the world of business operations.
0: Hi, I'm your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Marian Siwiak, and with me is my co-host, Artur Guja, Cognition Shared Solutions Chief Risk and Strategy Officer. Hello. Welcome to this episode of Between Data and Risk. Today we'll take a look at data science in the context of medical services and patient data. We have with us JD Whitlock, healthcare consultant and CIO at Dayton Children's Hospital, who agreed to share some of his experiences with us. Hello, JD. Hello, pleasure to be here. Yes, it's a pleasure to, 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 to have you with us. Uh, we know how um, sensitive is patient data in today's world. And uh, I believe many of people in our audience would like to maybe understand better how is it protected when they send their children to to the hospital, or at least how it should be protected. We we, we believe that uh, Dayton is, I think, I'm not sure if it was the first or or, uh, next time, the best hospital, children's hospital in the US. Uh, so I I believe yeah. uh, it's we not right that
1: it was awarded that uh, that that accolade uh, at some so, point. So
0: so the question is
1: how, what
0: should they expect uh, from 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 uh, hospitals if they would ask? Okay, so now you have my my child. You have it's you know, his or her uh, medical record and and a lot of other sensitive data. How do you protect it? And what, what should they hear? Yeah, sure thing.
2: So um, so the good news is that uh, in the United States, at least, uh, the uh, HIPAA uh, mm-hmm. laws that have been around since 1996 are, are pretty clear about how we are supposed to protect uh, patient death. Obviously, it, uh, with the risks of um, cybercrime and ransomware, uh, that's, that's the single biggest risk. There are other risks that we have, you know, operational errors that um, that result in, you know, in, in patient data being inappropriately released. Despite the fact that uh, you know we have electronic health records and uh, patient portals and all that, there's still an awful lot of um, the after-visit summary that most patients get after they see their doctor. It's still printed out just for convenience' sake to have that mm-hmm. information, that the medication you were just prescribed, or make sure you do this when you go home. It's, it's People still want to have that printed out. And you know, if you hand the wrong one to the wrong patient, then technically that's a breach of <laughs> okay. But at least we have, um, at least the HIPAA regulations are very well understood, because they've been around for a long. mm-hmm What's changed recently, and what um, patients need to be very careful about, is with some of the more recent uh, government regulations on interoperability, that are a good thing because they give patients more rights to get their their record, or in our case, their the kid's record, um, electronically quickly mm-hmm. downloaded into wherever they want to send it to including third-party applications um there's there's a risk there that uh uh, uh, patients are are downloading their their family members records into lots of different applications and perhaps not all of those applications have their best interests at heart Mm -hmm. and that interestingly enough is not protected because if it is self-disclosed by the by the patient mm-hmm. or the patient's proxy, not it's not covered by HIPAA. So now the government's talking about well, maybe we should maybe we should fix that. Um, we should it, it should be protected based on the type of information, not and you shouldn't have that loophole for for patients releasing their own data. So that that's one thing of concern. Um, what should what should our patient families expect of us? they enjoy as well that we have a a competent cybersecurity team. we're doing everything we can to to avoid um, you know worst case scenarios of cybercrime, ransomware, etc, uh, etc cetera, et cetera. so that's that's something we obviously pay a lot of attention to
1: it's It's interesting the parallels uh, between uh, what you just described and the developments in uh, similar space in the financial industry because, uh, you know, f- protection of financial information has been has been around for for equally long time. But uh, the recent kind of developments in open banking standards, where you can uh, make your account data available to any third party, in order to supposedly um, kind of uh, consolidate your financial information in one place. But as you say, not all of those applications have the the, the client's best best interest in mind. And it almost seems like we're uh, you know we're trying to bring a lot of convenience, but at the same time, people's people's mentality and the, the ability of the customers themselves uh, is not uh, kind of advanced enough to make to make full use of it, which uh, kind of uh, leads to paradoxes like uh, when you're trying to make a, a simple payment nowadays. Uh, you you know I remember I, I was I was making a, a payment recently and I had to uh, I had to enter my password then I had to watch a short video on fraud then I had to call, enter another password that I received on 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 uh, SMS and frankly I, it would have been just easier just to call the bank and do it because you know <laughs> it, they were they're trying to protect me against myself and uh, I I suppose similar things apply in um, in the healthcare industry where. You know you want patients to have that access to information because obviously it's it can be critical it can be life saving it's not just about convenience but at the same time you want to protect them against making frankly stupid mistakes sometimes right? i have
0: I have a question from a data point of view because i I'm not sure how the things work in the in the states uh maybe I hope I'm not asking the obvious question but if I'm in the hospital in the states and uh, my doctor needs my medical information. Let's say I'm unconscious. How easy it is for, for the doctors to get information from other medical facilities about, you know, did, did anyone treat me? Did anyone, I don't know, notice that I have some allergies? I personally have for penicillin, which is pretty widely used in the UK. And uh, they were all happy that I knew about it, but it could be administered to me if I would be, an example, unconscious. How, how, how? Yeah. Uh, that's, how open and, and transparent is this
2: uh, that's, on the that's professional the
0: level? Classic
2: example is you are someplace uh, besides where you normally are. You're in a motor vehicle accident. They wheel you into the emergency room. You're unconscious. And they administer uh, some medication that, that you are horribly allergic to and makes your condition worse if it doesn't kill you. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we do that? Um, the bad news is. Um, that's not completely solved yet. Good news is it's getting dramatically better um, quickly with with all, all, all the, a lot of the regulation uh, around that, and specifically in the United States, what's happening is the government is moving quickly towards um, uh, setting up the the legal frameworks, the trust frameworks to um, basically you're, you're saying, hey. Uh, James David Whitlock, born on this day in 1966, um, uh, is is looking for his records and send that out. And, and do you have this patient in your record? And return that. Uh, JD is allergic to medication, so don't. Uh, a common one in emergency care is some people are allergic to the contrast that, was, that is going into the imaging studies. If you're mm-hmm. a head injury and you're doing a uh, CT with contrast, uh, but in the middle of a trauma, last thing you want to do is stick a bunch of contrast in somebody that's allergic to contrast. <laughs> um, so, um, so the good news is getting better, way better than it was just if, just a few years ago. However, it it also depends on the, the, the doctor that you go to and the electronic health record that they're on. And quite honestly, if you go to the you go to a small independent practice, and they're on a not very good electronic health record. They may not have done what they need to do to be talking to the bigger, uh, bigger system in their correct legal uh, framework. That's one problem. Another problem we have, in the United States, a really dumb problem, is that we don't have any sort of uh, uh, national healthcare identifier. Uh, so you're trying to match on patient name and date of birth, which is mostly what we're doing. And guess what? There's other there are duplicates. that were born in in in, in three hundred and fifty million people or whatever. Up to there's other people that have your
0: name that were born on the same on the same day. So it's, it's that's not not perfect, I, I, but at least oh, it's. It, good. Oh, it hap- it happens, Arthur. You, you are you are frowning, but I I, I read about the no, situation I'm, I'm
1: frowning where... because I thought that the social security number is something that the U.S. Uh, would be universally using.
2: Nope, because because of we have forbidden the use of social security number for those purposes because that because then you get into financial fraud. It's ah, it's extremely mm-hmm. easily solved from a policy perspective by having unique uh, identifiers just for healthcare, but for various reasons, probably too long to get into right now. <laughs> we haven't, we haven't uh, got there from a policy.
1: So I, I wanted to ask you now that uh, so we've we've scratched the surface of the access to data. Uh, how do you how do you see the development of the the, the recent kind of uh, AI ML models? Uh, uh, are they are they going to be kind of used in 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 this field anytime soon? And uh, how do you see the 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 whole uh, kind of spectrum of uh, problems with with data security and privacy uh being accessed there because uh, we've been uh, we, we've been kind of talking quite a lot and uh, also in our professional practice we've been touching on uh security of data when it comes to using both in-house and outsourced uh, uh machine learning models and uh, it seems like there is uh, you know a whole host of completely new uh risks that most people are Still not tackling properly. So, have you have you encountered this space? And uh, you know, if so, how, how how do you perceive it?
2: Sure. So, of course, the topic of, of AI and healthcare is is not new. It's just it's just with the recent large language models that just sort of like trumped itself, right? So, um, so uh, we absolutely are concerned about on the one hand making sure we're taking advantage of new technologies that that can dramatically improve the delivery of healthcare, and, and not sitting on the sidelines, taking a risk-averse approach, and then not taking advantage of better medicine. We don't want to do that. And on the other side, you don't want to move so fast that, that, that yeah, you're doing the wrong things, or you're or you're opening up your uh, your protected health information on your patients to the to the wrong sources in the wrong way that opens you up to significant uh, legal risk. Uh, or another another form of legal risks is moving so aggressively that you're actually letting the AI practice medicine, um, which is another <laughs> legal risk, right? So, but where we've well, seen this, um, ChatGPT
1: has passed the the medical uh, board licensing exam, uh, I think in in one state. Yes. Whereas they tried it in another state and it failed horribly. So, uh, right. I would say performance is inconsistent, which is exactly mm-hmm. what what we've seen in, in pra- practically all other areas.
2: Even if, even if, and, and by the way, of course, it's getting better. And the latest one I saw was with, with Google's um, called MedPalm 2. It's the second generation of their medical-focused um, LLM. And they did a test where they took um, all these commonly asked medical questions. They had MedPalm 2 answer it, and then they had a real doctor's answer. And then they, in a blinded test, showed both answers to real doctors. And 80% of the time, the real doctors preferred the AI answer to the answer that was written by them. So, yes, Mm -hmm. it's getting good. But that doesn't solve the legal problem of who are you going to sue um, when (laughs) you, you know.
0: It's one of the most American things I've heard lately. (laughs) (laughs) Now, there there are some.
1: It, it it is uh, you know the one one of the things we all we always repeat in uh, to to our clients that uh, there should always needs to be an accountable person because you cannot see a computer right even yes. in simple things like managerial decisions you always have to have an accountable person signing off the decision so yes. I, I I totally understand the, the this approach but as as you said it can be a great supplementary tool right. Yes. The, question, the obviously that uh, you know we we won't go too deep into the problem. That it's it's a supplementary tool in terms of information data. It will never replace the human touch,
2: right? right. Because, the, the, which is
1: so important in medicine.
2: Yeah. The, the best line I've heard that gets often repeated about AI on healthcare is AI will not replace doctors. Doctors who use AI will replace doctors that don't use it. So I think that's a, that's yeah. the appropriate way to think about it. I think that. I think the standard of care, which is a term we, we like to use off, off a lot in healthcare, better make sure we're delivering standard of care. If everybody else is doing something better, we better catch up, or else we shouldn't be in business, anymore, right? Um, you know, standard of care is, is where it's safe, legal, and appropriate. Um, you'd better be taking advantage of these um, these new, new technologies. Um, here's a couple examples. This is not LLM. It's just uh, AI in general. But imaging is an area mm-hmm. where, of mm-hmm. course, uh, in terms of FDA approved, you know, a- AI uh, to improve care is uh, imaging is, is uh, the, the area of medicine with the, with the largest number of FDA approved. OK, so mm-hmm. another example, going back to the example of your motor vehicle accident, you're wheeled into the emergency room unconscious and they're trying to save your life okay um, um, or uh, actually a better example is uh, stroke victims in the emergency department okay so there's a busy right. emergency department there's ten uh, patients in there uh, that have to rule out stroke and the uh, radiologist all of a sudden gets 10 in, uh, head CT images coming in at the same time with well, AI can say um, uh, look at number seven first because we see a bleed in number seven mm-hmm. um, and and so then you can Save that patient's life because you read that faster and took uh, appropriate action. Otherwise, the radiologist is reading first in, first out, right? Because they're all mm-hmm. they're all stat. You're supposed to read them as soon as you can. Um, so, if you're a hospital that's using that technology, and you're a hospital that's not using that technology, which hospital do you want? Right. Mm. So that 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 that's one. The of closest. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. Uh, but- you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Justin, they're equal for sake of argument, they're equal, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, and then on, uh, the, on, the, on the LLM side, one thing that's coming uh, very quickly, I'm so we're, we're on uh, Epic uh, for our electronic health record. And because Epic has been partnered with Microsoft for a while, they're able to very quickly take advantage of, of some of the open AI uh, technology and what they're doing, and they're already rolling out for, for beta testing and the rest of us will have it in than six months or so, is the ability to, um, one thing that um, that is a contributor to physician burnout, provider burnout, is there are so many, uh, now that we've opened up patient portals to, and tell patients, just write your doctor questions, um, Mm -hmm. is is the inbox, their inboxes are are overflowing in the electronic health record. Uh, For often, sometimes relatively simple things like, hey, can I get a refill on my prescription. Well, now we're going to have the AI look at the question from the patient, look at the electronic health record, queue up what the what the uh, provider is likely to say. Mm-hmm. It's not going to send it automatically, but it's going to queue it up and save a lot of time. And the provider still wants to read it, make an edit if necessary and, and, and click send. But that's going to be a, a lifesaver. Um, uh, I should use it. Not, it's not really going to save life. It's going to make doctors' life time saver, time saver, time saver, huge time, time saver. saver. So yes, these kinds of things are coming, and obviously, we're not having AI practice medicine. We're just making it more efficient. Somebody, like, another uh, quote I've heard recently that I think is is very true is we need to um, we need to we need to throw AI at everything except the the, the most intimate uh, part of doctors taking care of patients, so they can spend more time. Uh, you know, taking care of the patient, patting, patting the patient on the wrist. You know, talking to him about what's.
0: Uh, I have a question from from I would say more mm, the risk and that te- uh, technical part of uh, part of things. So we have this LLMs, we have this this uh, imagery. Uh, I guess much more data will have to be exchanged with 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 the applications which. Deal with uh, analyzing all this data. Like, are the technical and legal uh, frameworks that you that you mentioned already in place, waiting for for, for this to happen? Because you said that in, in Imagery there are already a lot of tools. So I guess uh, it means that these frameworks are already working there. Will it? Will they be easily ad, ad, uh, adaptable to to text to to, to, to I don't know, LLMs, uh or or, or do you think it, will, it requires a lot of work? Because I, I think that as long as, as the data is in the hospital, it's it's safe, it's secured by you and, and, and we we don't need to worry so much. I'm I'm thinking about this interface when you when you get to, to third party which is providing because open AI in example, you cannot install it on your premises, unless you have your own, I don't know, atomic uh, electricity plant and, and, and a couple million uh, processors running you know, the basement. Sure. So so
2: back to the example of uh, we've already made it much easier for a patient to download their record from their, mm-hmm. from their doctors, put it into some third party app. Let's say they have some chronic disease that is they're going to be able to manage better with the assistance mm-hmm. of some some mobile app, and now mm-hmm. that mobile app is turbocharged by an LLM, so it's going to be even better at helping you manage your diabetes,
0: your asthma, or whatever fill in the blank chronic condition. Okay, I'm thinking more of the of the doctors themselves. So you have a patient on your on your, on your table, yep. and it's I don't know rare disease or or you know really atypical atypical case. Yep, uh, my, my my both my parents are, are doctors, so so. I know that uh, atypical cases are cases are 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 pretty typical, uh, so to speak. Uh, so I imagine the situation where The doctors will because, it, as you mentioned, the patients can download it. They can do whatever. They, they can print it and they can wave it over their heads if they wish. Uh, the question is about you know the doctor. Let's say there is a technical possibility that he drops the some some, some in some format the information about the. Uh, information he collected from the patient and he gets some suggestions, you know, it could be a typical version of this or that. Yes. So yep. I I'm, I'm asking about hospital yeah, directly sure. taking so, taking, right, taking so a couple of
2: things that are so so another um other functionality has come in, sort of certainly mm-hmm. enabled or, or or turbocharged by some um, technology is to tell the tell the doctor, hey, since you saw the patient last eight months ago, mm-hmm. here are all the things that that happened. And by the way, you've got three minutes to look at this bef- before you go in to see the patient exam room as you're running between patient exam rooms, You don't have time to look at every last thing in the EHR perhaps, but here's a thoughtful summary that the AI has helped put together. Here's the most important, here's the most important thing. That's something else that LLM is really going to help with. And I think that look, responsible, Electronic health record vendors are Mm -hmm. are going to do this. It's not your doctor doing it. It's not your hospital doing it. Quite Mm -hmm. honestly, it's the electronic health record vendor that's going to put uh, put a lot together. Now, back to your point about um, the doctor seeing a patient for, mentioned something about a a rare disease. Mm -hmm. That is also going on. Actually, that predates some of the LLM stuff. Um, uh, That's something else that uh, our our EHR vendor Epic has been working on. a while, they have a research database of de-identified hundreds. It was up to 180 million patients last time I checked. It's probably getting close to 200 million now, Um, and they can do things like say, "Oh, we see you're treating this patient with this rare disease. Would you like to talk to other doctors and other health systems that have similar patients?" Yeah. Okay. And you don't. All you know is that there's some other doctor out there that's treating a similar patient. You don't even know the name of the other patients but then facilitating reaching out to that other physician. Something else they're working on uh, is, or now the opposite of that is common conditions where we have uh, millions of patients with hypertension or you know common conditions, and you, have, you can have really good data on, if I'm going to make a decision on which medicine I'm going to prescribe uh, this hypertensive patient in front of me right now, instead of reading the journal article, that came out last year. That was based on data from three years ago. I can now grab data that was that, that's as up up to date as of a couple days ago, and see you know for patients like this. And then I'm but I still I'm still going to have a sample size of 100,000 patients that are this hypertension and this medicine, right? Mm-hmm. And it, you know this medicine might be better than, than that medicine. So yeah, the, these these tools are uh, rolling out pretty. Pretty quickly, the last two things that I mentioned are um, in the process. Uh, maybe like within the next year.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting the, the the speed at which it's it's evolving, and uh, obviously the uh, as you, as you say, the doctors have to catch up with their with their approach. The companies, uh, the, the providers have to catch up with their infrastructure. And uh, I think that the patients also, as as we discussed, have to catch up with their kind of their their care and uh, and their acceptance of of this technology. Now, it, moving slightly away, maybe from from uh, the the la- large language models and and uh, you know different different uh, directions of of digital healthcare. Are do you see other developments in in digital healthcare that are are currently? I don't want well. Let's let's use the the common word trending. You know that uh, th- where where healthcare is developing using using new technologies that uh, will change the way that uh, both the patients are treated tomorrow, and also will present you as the um, you know s- chief uh, information officer of a fin- of a not financial healthcare institution. Obviously, a slip of the tongue there. Uh, with with new challenges to make sure that this th- these technologies are delivered uh, accurately, but at the same time safely.
2: Sure. So um, there's um, of course all sorts of uh, digital health innovation uh, going on. In some cases, it's for health systems that are trying to do better for uh, what we sometimes call digital front door solutions. Right? How do we just make it easier for patients to uh, get to care? Um, and one thing that is certainly true is that as um, financial institutions and others have dramatically improved uh, the customer experience, people expect the same thing out of their their doctor or health system. And so we'd better be leveraging the, uh, the tools that we have, even though in some, some cases we have to be a little bit more careful about how we do that because of the. Like, we still have a responsibility to, to deliver those those kinds of tools and so so more progressive health systems that are keeping up on this these days they when you go to their website that you can you know type in you're not presented with a, what specialty of doctor do you want and then you have to know what a nephrologist is right what you should be doing uh, as we talk a lot about health literacy right and so patient is, may not The highly educated patient, and they are going to type in and and misspell uh, the condition that they have or the procedure that they need. And so that digital front door ought to be able to understand what the patient meant to say and then match them up with a doctor that that treats exactly what they have or exactly what procedure that they need. Not just because it's the same specialty, but but no, we actually know that the doctor does that. That doctor did five of those procedures. Last mm-hmm. week. And it takes your insurance and, and, and uh, speaks the language, you know, uh, uh, speak Spanish or, or, or whatever. So, you know, that's what state of the art is right now. And then, oh, by the way, also, uh, here's a, some available appointments on the website. Just go ahead and schedule yourself uh, an appointment. And we'll worry about the referral because we do want to make sure that we're not wasting the patients or the specialists' time with sending patients to specialists inappropriately. But we'll worry about the referral and all that after you get Not not before the old model which is your your primary care you know put in a referral and then hopefully the specialist office calls you back. Um, so <laughs> we don't want that. We want let me I let me find the doctor that's available that uh, then I can watch a little video of the doctor and I feel good about the doctor and uh, now I can schedule that uh, appointment online. So that's that's what digital that's what good looks like for digital
0: today. Just, 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 just the comparison. Maybe in, in, in Poland, I you know that to uh, so some specialists, you if you want to use the, the public healthcare, but also in private is not much better because there is not enough of them. Uh, the lines can be longer than five years so sometimes you need to wait longer so there is a chance that your doctor didn't start studying medicine yet so he will
1: <laughs> Yeah but at the same time you know you're you're talking about it because we, we both come from Poland and uh, you know one one of the things that I always admire about Poland is that they have the uh, central uh, government created act database uh, uh, for patient information access And each patient that has the the national uh, identity number uh, can have uh, a secure profile access online and schedule their appointments, see their prescriptions, see their records. Uh, So it is, you know, I currently live in UK and NHS has been improving a lot, uh, but it's still quite kind of uh, more traditional than... Than 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 Poland so different. Countries have got are, are different stages of development. I think there's no country, uh, not no kind of first world country that that is not doing anything. Hopefully, but the the the, the countries are different stages of, of of development in this space. And uh, I guess you know one of the things you you mentioned innovation uh, in 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 all this. Uh, one of the things that you have to be careful about, I think, in in this is that. Uh, in other areas, uh, including finance, you can innovate a bit more freely because when w- one big people part of don't innovation die. is, people, yeah, what part, big part of innovation is failure, right? And uh, you know, even if people go to a bank and uh, are, you know, HSBC, which I used to work work for, they had uh, this gimmick, frankly, where in in the Hong Kong uh, branch there was a robot greeting everyone, and mm-hmm. sometimes the robot. Failed and and you know send people to the wrong floor or whatever it was it was very good but it was a gimmick people liked it if people if people tried it in a hospital I think it would meet with a bit of a disapproval <laughs> if if suddenly you know uh, uh, it it sent you to a different floor and uh, you had a, a pretty serious condition uh, I, have, I have
2: a I have a funny healthcare uh, robot story I saw a, a presentation uh, when I went to the hymns that healthcare I teach you every, every year. Uh, and it was a, it was a hospital system presenting on, uh, early use. They're really still studying it about uh, little robots that ran all around the hospital and could go fetch things, basically to make nurses lives. Easy, right. Okay. I've got this medication. That's not on the floor. Go down to the pharmacy and bring it. Back. It's a great use case for robots. Right. right. Well, uh, the, 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 the uh, Investigator for the study w- was talking to some nurses, asking them how they like the robots, and they said, oh, it's great. We send the robots down uh, 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 to get the DoorDash when the patients order meals out, you know, or delivered f- delivered food, you know. And, and they said, wait a second. That's not supposed to be happening. The patients are supposed to be eating what the doctor prescribes them from the hospital. Uh, dietary services." not. So they had this discovery only because they had these robots <laughs> destroyed. <laughs> patients were ordering out when they weren't supposed to be ordering. Uh, so, yeah, but yeah, that's that, that's a great example um, of, of you know just going and fetching things um, to make lives easier for uh, for some of our clinicians. No, nobody's gonna, no patient's gonna die because of that, right? So. Well.
0: Unless the yeah. robot the robot fetches the wrong <coughs> the wrong food,
2: yeah. But you have all sorts of controls. You already have controls. The you know the nurse has to scan the barcode seven times before they can um, you know yeah.
0: ad- ad- administer food.
2: Medicine. Uh,
1: <laughs> I, I've I've watched enough HAVS MD to know that there's something that would <laughs> exactly.
2: it's bound to go wrong. <laughs> yeah, skins
0: <laughs> always still go wrong. Uh, yeah. I I would like to, to to go back to to the digital digital healthcare. Uh, like, what is it that we should expect reala- realistically uh, in, in this area? Or what are... Because working with with, with, with technologies, we are uh, very often... Um, we meet very often uh, technologies which oversell. The marketing is, yeah. is, is really heavy. Uh, we would like to ask you, we know that you are a consultant in digital... Uh, uh, digital uh, digital healthcare. So we would like to ask you as a as a professional, like what should we expect to come, or and what we should be wary of, that you know that is really pushed down our throats, but maybe it's not time yet. Sure. Well, one thing that that that
2: healthcare consumers should expect is is more convenient care, right? And so, you know, one of the, of course, one of the silver linings of the pandemic is that we got over, uh, we we got past the the all of some of the inertia of uh, of video visits, right, and Mm -hmm. and telehealth. The technology had been there for a while, but through a combination of, um, at least in the United States, insurance company policies, and, and in some cases, just some. Physicians not embracing it or hadn't really tried it yet and weren't quite sure about it. We got that, we got over that in a big hurry when that was the only way to see our patients for mm-hmm. a while. And so now we're struggling, and at least it's um, what, are, what are the payment policies going to be from the government and from private insurance companies? What are they going to pay for? What are they not going to pay for? When is it clinically appropriate? When is it not clinically appropriate? But there's a lot of great uh, technology out there that just makes. Air more convenient and still clinically appropriate. So, so at Dayton Children's we are uh, using uh, a telehealth device um, called Tidocare, and they have a um, they just put together a really nice package of uh, uh, sort of a dedicated video visit um, equipment that has an otoscope for looking in the kid's ear, stethoscope. Uh, you know, Little camera with a light to look in your kid's throat. So you can have a, for example, a nurse practitioner on the other end uh, for Mm -hmm. an urgent care visit. And if, uh, of course, a lot of kids get a lot of ear infections, okay, Mm -hmm. and we should not be prescribing the antibiotic before a a medical professional looks in the ear. Well, if mom or dad can stick the camera in the ear and do the the exam, uh, and nurse practitioner that's uh, 30 miles away, it can, can do that um, diagnosis and then and, and, and write a prescription and mom and dad never have to leave leave home and that then that's a win, right Those are the kind of things that we can and should should be doing. and consumers can and should be uh, taking their business to the health systems that enable these technologies and make make
0: care easier. I, I've heard that this we performed or we're planning to perform uh there's uh, remote operation uh, as well yes. like re- re- i would uh, i wouldn't have a problem with you know having cameras stuck in my ear however my heart would be operated via 5g i think it was it was about uh, about the throughput of, of 5 5g i, I can't remember if it operated a banana or actual heart but right. one of the two uh so 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 i think that the remote diagnosis would be Really helpful. Also, I think when it comes to uh, care of the elder people, who are probably more vulnerable, and getting to the doctor is also right. pretty pretty hard for, for many of them. Uh, exactly. So it's uh, the remote diagnostics is, is really interesting. Is there anything else we should we should look out for, or
1: maybe um, something that is so that is is actually hyped, but is so overhyped and uh, we should be wary of uh, of the actual yeah, we, like, we, of, of we
0: like to kill kill bus. We are we are pretty old grump, grumpy guys, and we we like to kill some bus from time to time. So help us. Keep- sure. <laughs> well, um, uh, certainly when you when you look at the
2: um, the investments going into digital hell, um, there's a lot of ideas that sound great, and and um, in particular a couple couple years ago when there was just crazy venture capital going into anything that sounded like it might be a good idea right and so people go design are products. we
0: talking about full diagnosis from one drop of blood not to name uh, yeah right veterinous. exactly yeah and so <laughs> elizabeth she's she's finally in jail now right i've i'm not sure if she already is i've heard she that she's very was very blaming, soon, right? tra- tra- trying to avoid it by having two kids
2: Right. Uh, we've been so, so, so one spectrum is complete and utter fraud like that. If that, but then you have people with good intentions that have a a zero percent chance of actually bringing that thing to market because of a lack of understanding of the way that things really work, or who you're going to sell to, or whether it's going to integrate with the rest of the health system, or integrate with importantly clinical workflow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that's that's being realized is, uh, particularly on the machine learning side. You may be able to, in a in a in an ideal data lab situation, develop a, a better predictive algorithm, and your your area under the curve is a little bit better than than the last. But if you can't bring that to market efficiently and integrate it back into the clinical workflow in the electronic health record, it's not going to do anybody any good. Mm-hmm. So, if you can get venture capital and spend fifty million dollars bringing that to market, and then not get any customers, well, okay, you just wasted some venture capital's money. But there's there's certainly an awful lot of a lot of that going on.
1: Well, but still, still, this kind of thing should should definitely not uh, not not derail people from trying because there's uh very 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 often there's uh especially with some of the more outlandish ideas there's uh, really no way of telling upfront whether it will catch on or not and there are, there are some great examples of things that were quite uh you know outlandish when they were they they were uh, thought about like uh, you know iPod cloud computing uh, sure. they they all started as as Completely, you know, some someone sitting in a garage and dreaming, and and nowadays we we wouldn't live without them, uh, and and healthcare, like 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 you said, there's 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 plenty of innovation. Let's hope it's careful innovation, just careful enough so that people it really helps people. But at the same time, you know, let let those dreamers dream. Uh, I, I I wanted to finally ask you about uh, the 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 kind of. Uh, uh, integration of that innovation into production, because as as you said, you, men- you mentioned there are startups there they are they are trying to do that before and uh, an idea gets actually adopted by an institution like like your hospital. What kind of uh, where, w- because uh, quite a, a, a lot of our audience is, is startup uh, kind of founders and entrepreneurs. What should they be thinking about before they, go, they try to, to approach uh, an institution like yours to, to even consider an idea?
2: Sure. So, so at the beginning, we were talking about the, the interoperability uh, mostly in terms of from the patient's perspective. But the, mm-hmm. the, the same uh, uh, standardization of some of the inter- interfacing. Uh, so, uh, uh, FHIR, FHIR, Fast Healthcare Interoperability Resources, um, is a, is a inter- interoperability standards that, that the U.S., the government has, uh, has pushed on us and a good, this is a good kind of regulation, right? We're just going to mm-hmm. agree on some standards and uh, the granularity with which we can now exchange data just, just within the last few years has gotten significantly better. And the electronic health record vendors as, as they implement that. Um, now this means that if you are a digital health innovator and you do develop something better that can get data in and out, get data quickly out of the EHR, work some magic on it with, with whatever flavor of AI and remote patient monitoring and application, better UI you want to throw at that and then get that back in. Electronic health record in front of the doctor to take better care of the patient. Um, now that is much more possible than it was just just a few because the level of effort required by uh, by my team, the, the the IT team at the health system, uh, is it's not zero, but it's a lot lot less than it than it used to be. Um, you know, in the past, we'd see a good we'd see some solution that sounded interesting, but then we'd have to. You know sp- spend more time and money getting it integrated was really worth doing it so so when the friction on that has come down significantly it, it opens up the possibility to do a lot more and better innovation so th- th- that part's really i had one okay, so
1: question it it, it it sounds like uh kind of pretty uh, if if i if i may summarize it like a pretty common uh, pretty pretty common sense advice just know your target market and know the standards that operate in this target market. And there it's, is, it seems like there's already a lot of effort going out. Oh, that's, that's that's great. Great. I know. I have. You mentioned that
0: uh, a lot of effort should because when we are talking about patient to doctor interface, there is we don't want to meddle there, but to, there should be uh, a lot of work put uh, into. Optimizing everything around it, so the doctor can spend more time with his uh, with his uh, patients. Uh, Do you have an idea, like something that would make, in your opinion, a change or make things easier? So we are talking about these dreamers. Maybe you can point out like some problem, but some it would be good if somebody finally solve it using these standards of interoperability or or data or any flavor of, of AI. But you know. From from the inside of the hospital, something that people would say, yes, finally, someone came with the solution.
2: Sure. So one of one of the holy grail things is that every doctor everywhere would love to be able to focus completely on their patients and go about an exam, talking to their patients, and then the AI magically documents the whole encounter, right? And then and then cues it up. Of course, the the doctor is still going to have to um, read like they, it and with this edit it, because they're, they're 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 signing it, and if it's wrong, they can get sued for malpractice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least it's going to, you know, ninety eight percent of the time, do a really good job of, of documenting that whole encounter and have have enough smarts to know when the doctor's talking, to the patient's talking, and what was said, and thoughtfully summarize. Up to this point, the technology has been um, so uh, nuanced. And of course, got acquired by Microsoft. Uh, ha- has a has a solution, um, but there's still a hu- there's still a human being in in the middle of that sol- solution. Not just the doctor, but I mean a mm-hmm. transcriptionist type of person that's sort of Q- QAing that stuff. So, I and mean, because of that, it's still relatively so mm-hmm. um, nuance And another. Um, Seen the newest demo? I was seeing a demo from a vendor called Suki S U K I that they have both good integrations with the electronic health record and with the latest generations of, of AI. It's now really getting to a point you don't have to have a human in the middle of that. That means the price can come. And so we are we are looking at some of these technologies now. That that's that's the kind of thing that I think just within the next couple of years there'll be. Uh, R- real transformation there, you know. If if we, if, if, uh, if we don't do it, and that the other health systems are doing, and then our doctors are going to leave and go to the other health systems that uh, provide these tools. So,
1: well, uh, so it 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 looks like a a good place to 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 kind of summarize because we've we've mentioned quite a lot of developments, and it look looks like uh, you know healthcare of tomorrow is not that far away, but uh, there's still a lot of Things to be done and uh, a lot of both patient and doctor education to be to be accomplished before we actually you know sit in our home and uh, get connected to our home uh, patient diagnostic kit and the doctor just gets an AI AI to do the first uh, kind of history and di- right, pre diagnosis yeah. And, but it is getting there, and it's good to know that even in areas like healthcare, this these things are making their headway, and uh, you know it, it's it's being done carefully with with uh, appropriate uh, you know risk management, tact, and and uh, approach to to patient care. If if people want to, to to learn more about what what you're doing and your consulting work and uh, uh, you know the, the the areas that you're interested in. How can people contact you, and where can they read more uh, about about you and your work?
2: Uh, sure thing. Well, the easiest thing uh, to say is just look me up on uh, LinkedIn, um, and uh, I've got some more from From there, you can get to. Um, so I do have a, a side hustle doing some uh, some consulting work, specifically helping out health tech vendors that want to understand how to how to actually sell into health. Care, how to go about that? What, what doesn't? Where's the technology headed from for interoperability? Um, so those are really fun discussions. Have some dialogue about that, that'd be
0: great.
1: So hopefully right. the, 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 the ones from our audience who are thinking maybe about uh, healthcare-oriented startups, uh, they could contact you and uh, learn a thing or two. And uh, as always, well, let's hope it was of use to someone. Thank you for listening. Also, don't miss the next one, where we'll be talking to Andrew Batchtubner, CIO of First Community Mortgage, about use of data in banking. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or
0: visit pdr.show to find out more about future episodes and guests. You can also check out
1: cognition.lc for more information on Cognition Shared Solutions, our services and other events hosted by us. For now, it's thank you from myself, Artur Guja, and my co-host, your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Marek